If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. So we've got the stage virtually set for impeachment. The stage is virtually set for impeachment here. And... It is it is not good. It is not it is not looking good um just the way that this mess has hit our our nation. We've got a scene that happened uh, last night in the house. We have Nadler taking over uh the Senate committee, excuse me, the house Judiciary Committee, of course, he's he's running this committee, but he is uh, totally, I don't know, just running this like a bit of a um, <laughs> it's it's for attention when you get down to it, folks. We we had this long hearing yesterday. Nadler gets to the end of the hearing. It's approaching midnight. I don't know if you've seen or heard this yet or not, but instead of taking a vote in the committee, as was expected. Nadler, the chair of the committee, basically tables this thing, convenes uh, unanimously, just kind of, well, I guess unilaterally, I should say, decides to con- convene until we, uh, 10 o'clock this morning, when they will vote out of committee this uh, these articles of impeachment instead of having the vote last night. This upset. The Republicans, we have a little bit more political theater happening here. And so they're going to uh, reconvene this morning to actually vote on uh, the articles of impeachment. So there's a bit of a, I guess, a opportunity to talk about the civics, I guess a civics lesson here, a little governmental lesson. So this, of course, has been in front of this committee um, the entire Time that we well, it started with the intelligence committee with Adam Schiff. He's the one that held the hearings. They sent the report off uh, to the House Judiciary Committee, and so they've been uh, doing their work. Or I guess the more appropriate way of looking at this is they've been hosting their version of the act of this performance. And so late last night, 
they were to the point in the performance where you would have an actual vote in the committee for on these two independent articles uh, of, of impeachment. So they're two separate articles, although they, of course, are related, tied together. One is kind of, I guess you could say, contingent upon the other to some degree. Anyway, they're supposed to be having this vote uh, to then send this to get this out before the full House of Representatives to, to cast their votes. But instead of doing that, instead of doing that, Nadler decides we're going to have we're going to wait until the morning. Now, this sounds like a minor thing, but normally, in normal circumstances, um, even if you are pushing something through committee, which is what's happening here, right? They're pushing this through their committee. They've decided, as I've said on here, they've decided this thing is getting pushed through. Come hell or high water, this thing is getting pushed through. And so, but there, there's a difference between arguing about substance, you know, getting off into the weeds by <clears throat> allowing too many things like amendments or too much debate to where nothing gets done versus consulting the minority party regarding things like scheduling. And so they weren't consulted about this. And some members of the House Judiciary Committee questioned Nadler. He just abruptly ended the meeting and said, we're going to start again tomorrow morning. It doesn't really matter what your what your schedules are and so forth. That's what we're going to do. And of course, Republicans said, look, the only, re- only reason you're doing this, the only reason you're doing this is because you want maxim- maximum television exposure. Now, this might seem a little bit I don't know. Uh, th- this might see, uh, seem somewhat illogical to many many of you, and to, to a degree, this seems illogical. Uh, I, I think to to me as well, because this is not. You know, the, the further we get into this impeachment shenanigan or the impeachment shenanigans plural, the more we find ourselves, the more we find ourselves moving away from what the Democrats had told us the whole time moving away from their version of events. Public opinion is moving in a different direction than what Democrats hoped and expected for. Moving away from that nonsense towards more, I guess you could say a little bit more of of reality. And the longer this goes on, the worse that it is. However, that's in the part of the world that's still ruled by common sense. And this is why, by the way, I think it's a little bit – I do. I think it's a little bit foolish to start predicting some of these elections because we have parts of the parts of the country and we have parts of the Democrats' base that think that this is a slam dunk. Now, I, I use the word think. I don't know if it's, if it's so much thinking it is, hoping it is, crossing their fingers – Pretending that it is, demanding that it is, trying to intimidate other people into thinking that's you know that's the only solution here that that is the right thing to do. Whatever, I mean, that is uh, the viewpoint of candidly more people than I care to announce. Now I will tell you, I don't cross paths with these individuals routinely. I'm guessing you don't, at least large numbers of them. I'm guessing you don't either. You've probably seen things on social media. You know that they're out there, right? You know that that they're out there. Of course, you also know Antifa's out there, and you've probably not seen Antifa, thank goodness, in action as well. 
But you think for for common sense adults, right? Uh, adults in this country who pay at least some degree of attention to what's going on, you would think. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks they would want to have passed this in the middle of the night, kind of like they handled Obamacare back in the day, right? When all that all that was going on. No Nadler decide that's going to be during the day because this does help with some of the well, with some of the the base. This does help with things like fundraising from some folks. And they do believe that there's still something to to and I guess get from this uh, impeachment circus, which we've watched kind of unfold before our eyes here the past, you can say to some degree for you know the past three years. But anyway, so Republicans are upset about this. They're saying that that's you know not not the way that you know again not the way that the minority party should be treated in Congress, not the way that something as important as an impeachment vote should be should be managed, and it's just a photo op. It's an opportunity, not just for a photo, but actually to have video rolling as they cast these votes for uh, the, the impeachment proceedings. Just rest assured, we all know what's going to happen here. I mean, this this is going to pass committee. Keep, keep in mind, keep in mind the people that are on this committee, because impeachment, impeachment has been something uh, the left has dreamed about for a long time, or maybe dreamt about for a long time. And so the people that are on this committee, the Democrats who are on this committee, have eagerly stepped up. They wanted they wanted to be a part of this thing. They want their votes. They they want to be part <laughs> I, I'm I'm telling you that they think that they are the uh that that one day the history books is going to put their pictures in textbooks. And maybe they will, folks. I mean we have again uh, well, I don't know textbooks, maybe some electronic tech, uh, textbooks, but nonetheless, they want their, their photograph in there. They think they're going to be, uh, I don't know, just uh, historical saviors of this nation by impeaching, of course, the maniacal dictator Trump, as they would have you have you believe. And so these folks that are on the committee are the ones who are anxious and, and think that they have something you know personally to gain, or they think that... Who knows that maybe this president actually can be impeached and removed from office? I, I don't. I don't pretend to know what some of these folks think in the dark recesses of, of their minds, but that's what's happening. And so, so they're going to have this vote, and the folks who are excited about watching it play out, the folks that are interested in watching these shenanigans move forward, who believe that this is the only way to beat. President Trump. By the way, I meant to reference this earlier in the week, but you know this professor that I mentioned from time to time on this program. His name is Alan Lichtman. He is the uh, professor, the uh, political science, I believe, professor who has come up with a, uh, I guess, a formula. I don't know the, the correct term to use for it, but a series of, of questions that one would ask regarding the incumbent president when coming, you know, heading into a, a re-election cycle. And there's a series of questions that he asks, and depending upon the answers to those questions, he predicts the elections. He doesn't look into he doesn't look into things like polling data. He just looks at the answers to these questions, things about the economy, things about 
things, asking questions about the short-term economy, the long-term economy, whether or not there's a scandal, all sorts of things. And I believe if you actually answer six of these questions um, in a way that's negative to the incumbent or to the incumbent, the, the current sitting president, then that favors the you know, the 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 the, the uh, opposite party, right? So in this case, it would favor the Democrats. But if if these questions are answered in favor of the president, if they're good to the president, then those are uh, you know it's it's unlikely every time you get a an answer that's that's uh, good for the sitting president. Meaning, is the short term economy good? Is the long term economy good? Is there a scandal? Anything that's answered favorably towards the incumbent is a step towards securing his or her reelection. Anyone that's answered negatively is a step towards uh, watching them getting, you know, getting voted out. And his uh, his model, I guess you would say, his checklist, his model, his formula has been accurate in predicting. I don't know the last, I guess, like nine elections or some such thing. He was one that was actually predicting President Trump would win in 2016. So anyway, because of, at least in this particular case, this I think they, they, they moved the, the answer from scandal from no to yes or some such thing. There, there may be another a question that the impeachment fit the answer that actually was negative to the president. Because of that, he's now out there saying that he truly can't answer the question as to whether or not – President Trump's going to win or lose, saying it's too close to call here just a little, what, 11 months out. Normally, um, he had been saying all along that Trump was going to, to win. Now, because of what's happening, he says that Trump is, is too close to call. So this seems foreign to you and I, though, right, that, that something as mismanaged, as fabricated, as much of a dog and pony show, smoke and mirrors act, can get results that are at least favorable in this at least this particular professor's model now he's not coming out and saying trump's losing he's simply saying at this point he doesn't know and so these are the things these are the things that the democrats talk about believe me this is it it's not whether or not trump's really guilty it's not whether or not something is in the best interest of this country. It's not any of that. It's whether or not something's in the best interest for them, their personal reelection chances, and their party's ability to take control of uh, power. Now, I'm not saying Republicans don't do this as well. I'm just saying the idea that they're going to wrestle with this question of, of how they're going to vote for impeachment next week, the full House, which seems to be, unless Nadler throws another curveball here, seems to be where this is headed an impeachment vote next sometime maybe middle of next week, end of next week. But we're supposed to think that they're going to be, you know, wringing their hands over the weekend, not sure what to do. Now, they they are doing that in the sense that they don't <laughs> they don't want to face the ire of their constituents, and they also don't want to face the ire of Nancy Pelosi. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the potential for some of these Democrats maybe to to come out and not support impeachment. So there's a possibility of that. I still think this thing gets to the Senate, but nonetheless, uh, this is worth this is worth talking about as we're kind of setting the stage here for 
the impeachment process. But I've got to take a break. Oz has indicated twice that it is time to take a break, and I need to oblige because it is time. So when we get back, we'll continue talking about impeachment, the the process, where we stand, what happens next, and a couple of other things I want to get to as the program unfolds. But I've got to take a break. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. By the way, 98% of scientists agree that listening to this program can stop and even reverse, even reverse the ravages of liberalism. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So this impeachment, uh, the articles of impeachment are now going to be voted on in the House Judiciary Committee. And from there, uh, assuming that they, that they they will get out of the committee. I mean, we can we can rest assured on this. This is this is a mere formality. Again, these folks that are on the committee are interested in being on the committee. They're not they're not the individual members of Congress who are scared right now. Right, they're not the individual members of Congress who are trying to calculate how they're going to vote. And I, I believe Nancy Pelosi has has the votes to get this passed in the House of Representatives. And again, this needs only a simple majority. This needs only a simple majority, and the the Democrats control the majority. And former Republican, now Independent Representative Justin Amash has indicated that uh, he's going to be on the side of impeachment. Uh, from what we can tell as well. So with their majority plus Justin Amash, they can lose, what is it? I think it's 17. I think it's 17 votes and still have this pass the full house. So again, um, if someone asks, and I'm sure that you know this, but if someone asks and sees that this passes out of the Judiciary Committee, that is, that's expected that's what we are to expect. They're not going to be ushering President Trump out of the White House in handcuffs or an orange jumpsuit. Again, not to be confused with Hillary's orange pantsuit. This is this is expected, predictable. The next step would be to go before the full house. I expect this to pass the full house. Now, whether or not there's a defection or two or five or 12 uh, remains to be seen. I don't see uh, getting to 18. So they can afford to lose 17, as I'm looking at the numbers here. 17 can actually vote against impeachment in the Democrat caucus, the Democrat Party in the House, or plus Justin Amash. So they can lose 17 of those before they lose impeachment. I just don't see Nancy Pelosi having come this far to lose this. I just they they've been calculating these votes behind the scenes for some time. Again, when you see things like uh articles and and news reports of the USMCA trade agreement somehow miraculously uh, getting worked on when all they are really talking about in Washington is impeachment. You can rest assured that those two things are, are connected. And there's another piece of legislation. I'm drawing a blank right now as to what it is. But there's other things going on, other negotiations. So they're giving, they're giving these reps the opportunity 
to vote for other things like this trade deal to go back and tell their constituents, look, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help the blue collar worker in my district. Right. Yeah. President Trump's a danger because that that in and of itself is going to upset people who are in uh, districts whose representative is a Democrat. Uh, but yet that district went to President Trump. There's going to be opposition to that. This is going to be a lot of traditional blue dog Democrats, the part of the Democrat Party, the former part of the Democrat Party that the current Democrat Party has completely abandoned. They have. The, the the blue dog Democrat, the union Democrat has been all but totally abandoned. Totally abandoned by the actually I would say totally abandoned by the Democrat Party. They don't care about they don't care about these folks anymore. But they're finding out that they, they should have been caring about these folks because these individuals are the ones that played a role in electing Trump in twenty sixteen and they're the ones that are gonna be upset. They're going to be upset with these votes that these folks uh, folks are casting. If they vote for impeachment, they're going to be upset heading into 2020. So you've got these reps, these Democrat reps from these districts, who, again, it's going to take 18 of them. It's going to take 18 of them to vote against impeachment in order for this not to leave the House. So, again, I think Pelosi's got what she needs. But that doesn't mean there won't be one or two defections. Now, if she doesn't want there to be defections, I don't think there would be. But when you start seeing articles, and I saw this yesterday, the day before, I'm not sure. Democrats are preparing for up to five defections, right? Five defections, which I guess would make, I guess would make the case against impeachment the only bipartisan part of this process would be that they've unified Democrats and Republicans against impeachment. But they're saying that they've got five, that they're expecting around five people to defect. I had a friend who said, you know, if they're reporting five in the news, there's got to be a lot more than that. And that may be true. But again, I just, I keep coming back to Nancy Pelosi. She is, she's a lot of things, folks. She's, she's a lot of bad things, candidly. I don't want to personally – I don't like to get personal with stuff, but I just think the truth is that she's uh, – she's she's she does some things that I'm just – this is not – this is not good for America. But that said, she knows how to count votes. She knows how to get something through Congress, and I just don't think it gets this far without her knowing without a shadow of a doubt that it passes – Otherwise, she would have continued to fight her caucus internally and tell them that she didn't have the votes. But now we do. Now she does, I should say. So it's a question of how many of these folks are going are gonna to actually come out and, and oppose this. Democrats from districts that Trump carried in 2016. Because they're scared. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place here. And so I'm telling you what the conversation is. Nancy Pelosi says, look. You're going to support this. I'm giving you other pieces of legislation that you can vote for and go back and brag about to your to your districts. We're finally going to get this trade deal passed. I've positioned it in such a way that it that people are going to run with the narrative that the Democrats made this deal, uh, a couple of details in this deal work out and benefit the the worker. We talked about wages and 
you know, making sure that we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with things that are more comparable to, to union wages and that sort of thing, protecting that sort of part of this trade agreement. So you can go back and brag about that. But I need you. I demand that you vote for impeachment. I'm telling you, this is going on. She doesn't, they pretend like, oh, we want people to make their own independent decisions. Baloney. That is not, no way. Absolutely not. That's why Jerry Nadler didn't want this, the, 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 the vote last night. He wanted it on camera. This is all about production effect. This is all about the narrative. This is all about trying to get people, trying to, trying to get the Democrat Party to benefit from this. And again, to you and I, it may seem absolutely backwards that this can help some people by voting for impeachment based upon where, where this thing has been taking us. But nonetheless, that's what they that's what they believe. And there's folks that are been that have been, you know, just drinking this in. People that sit and watch this junk all day long. And it's nothing but a performance. But Nancy Pelosi's threatening to, you know, to not support them during the, the election. She's threatening not to give them positions on certain committees. You're never gonna serve as a chair so long as I'm in control of the House of Representatives. They're facing that pressure. Then they go and they start polling or they look at phone calls that they've gotten in their office and they think, man, I've got some upset constituents. I've got that pressure. So it's not about doing what they think is the right thing. It's doing what they think is the most politically beneficial thing. And look, to a point, I say I understand that because this is a representative republic and they should they should be trying to represent their districts. I get that to to a point, but this is not so much about representing their district this is about this is about trying to uh, confuse their district as to what they really think and who they really are because if they can get away with something politically you better believe that they will and they will tow the liberal line how else does someone like nancy pelosi get elected to speaker how look at the the, the democrats on the debate stage running for president these folks are more left and these folks are radically left. In some cases, they may be left of Stalin. Kidding. But there's, look, you get my point. They've moved radically left. They've moved radically left. And this idea that they wouldn't push it further if they couldn't get, you know, if they, if they could get away with it is, is I think, folly. Anyway, got to take a time out. More on this uh, impeachment. I want to talk a little bit about Brexit, too. Boris Johnson and his party wins big uh, yesterday, which, you know, it kind of coincides, I think, with the whole, you know, Brexit and Trump to me are kind of two narratives, two, two storylines that are uh, similar in many ways, of course, on different sides of the pond. But nonetheless, there's some similarities there. And it's interesting to think as much as Brexit has been attacked and delayed and all this, um, we get to the point to where the party that wants to push through and proceed with Brexit actually has more power now than they did uh, when this first was voted on, what, about not three and a half years or whatever it's been now. So anyway, got to take a time out. You're listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Do you know what radon is? Radon is a 
odorless, colorless gas that exists naturally, but in high um, in high quantities or even moderate quantities in uh, existing in your home or business can be can be dangerous, can be actually very dangerous, and can cause some serious health effects um, and have some tremendous consequences on on health. I mean, radon can lead to conditions that, um, well, can actually kill people. And so if you're concerned about possibly the amount of radon in, in your home, consider checking out my friends at Radon Environmental. Radon Environmental will come and test it. It's not an expensive process. In fact, it's actually pretty inexpensive uh, to test for. And even if they find it, even if they find radon in your home, it's not it's not too terribly expensive to actually to mitigate and to get out of your home. It's it's a process that's uh, you know pretty pretty simple. And my friends Mike and his team at Radon Environmental, they actually are pros at this. They're experts. This is what they do. They've been protecting homeowners since 1988 in the Indianapolis area. So if you'd like to get your home tested or see what that would entail, to see if your home maybe even uh, is one that you should be concerned about. You know, it's typically thought about, uh, you know, people tie it to a home with a basement or, you know, business maybe with a basement, but it's, you could you could talk with them about that to see if your home even warrants testing. But to find out more, go to radonprosindiana.com. That's radonpros, P-R-O-S, radonprosindiana.com. Be sure to tell Mike and his team that Todd sent you. So just wrapping up here with impeachment. Look, this, this is, uh, again, from the beginning, this has all been designed for maximum political benefit for the radical left, for the Democrat Party. And this has all been about a show. This has all been about what they can get from it. This has not been about truth. This has not been about justice. This has not been about whether or not what the president did or has been alleged to have done is truly truly warrants impeachment. No, they want you to believe that. They want you to feel like that's really the debates going on here, but it's really, it's really what they can get pushed through, right? And it's and it's how it can benefit them politically. The problem is, as we've discussed today, the problem is there's a group of Democrats, maybe a couple of dozen, that this could impact incredibly negatively, incredibly negatively, if they vote for this when it comes to 2020. I mean, this may be. The proverbial, uh, you know, death sentence for their political careers by voting for this and then trying to go back and and win re-election in 2020, and so they know this, and so they're trying to figure out: Do I have enough political cover? If I pass other things that my district wants to see done, can I benefit from that? Because after all, what good is it for me to be re-elected if I'm being punished for by Nancy Pelosi? And not allowed to be on a committee, not allowed to be a chair, to basically be permanently uh, blacklisted, blacklisted here in the in the House of Representatives, right? And that's how these folks think. That those are the decisions 
And I just want to hammer that home because that's, this is not the way what the founders envisioned. This is not, this is not the way it's, it's supposed to be, but it is the way it's supposed to be, right? We, in a society and a culture with a media that's an inch deep and a mile wide, it's all about superficiality. It's all about what they can say that they've connected with or voted for or what they're on the side of and all this kind of stuff. And in the Democrat Party today, you're either you're, – well, you're against Trump, you're against Trump and you're for impeachment, or you don't really have a place. And that's the cold, hard truth. And no matter no matter how much uh, some of these folks try to insist otherwise, that's simply not – that doesn't register with reality to say that you can be a, a, an effective Democrat in today's party and be against this notion of impeachment. In fact, the only ones that you really see speaking out about this are some that are – you know, again, they're they're not well known. They don't have positions of authority. They don't really have a home in the party. Uh, they, they're well, they're they're willing. They're at least willing accomplices with, with where the party is going. But they're they're ineffective. They're not they're not relevant, and they just are. You know, overall are a vote for the radical left time and time again. So they just think this time, this time they may be held accountable for their vote, and so they don't know what to do. So we'll see. We'll see, but I think still the chances are good this gets out of the House, this gets into the Senate, and from there we'll see what happens. We'll start talking about uh, you know, defectors from the Republican side or even defectors from the Democrat side, people like, say, Joe Manchin, for example. Anyway, enough about impeachment today. I want to stop and take a break. When we get back, I want to touch really briefly. There's two things I want to touch on. One's Brexit. One is uh, Chris Wallace out there criticizing Trump for Chris Wallace of uh, Fox News, criticizing Trump for his um, incessant, nonstop attack on the First Amendment. So I'd like to touch on that briefly, if I can, time permitting. But i got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. I mentioned that Brexit, Brexit appears to now be to the point where it's going to actually be implemented, right? The British have now decided that they have Boris Johnson and his conservative party running running the show. And so this constant delay, uh, stalemate, and so forth that we've seen with Brexit over the past couple of years seems to have, with the vote yesterday – seems to have uh, reached a, a point where it can be concluded and they will be removing themselves from the, the European Union. By the way, there's already – I saw a report that Trump's already reached out to talk about a potential trade uh, trade agreement with, with them. So this is, this is good. I think around the world we see a lot of things, um, a lot of examples where people are standing up to tyranny, where people are defending – their God-given liberties, where people are refusing to accept the status quo, the direction of the bureaucratic state, the big government, all that kind of stuff. And this is an example. These have kind of been running parallel. The Trump phenomenon here in the United States, along with Brexit, kind of have run a, a similar trajectory and timeline. And so it's interesting that Brexit seems to have reached a conclusion politically and we may be at a point where uh, impeachment has reached a, 
uh, conclusion here as well in the United States uh, with the vote coming up. Although there are Democrats, you've seen this, who've said that uh, they could continue to impeach Trump, continue to impeach Trump again and again and again until they get their way. Of course, that's not surprising. So in one sense, this never goes away. But in another, uh, once this impeachment is hopefully defeated, we will have some degree of of resolution. I wanted to also – I'm just going to have to post it to Facebook uh, instead. But I wanted to talk a little bit about an article I read about uh, Chris Wallace of Fox News talking about Trump and his assault on uh, the first the First Amendment, free free speech, and so forth. I wanted to, to talk about that. Um, it's 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 well, I've got a lot to say about it, but I'll I'll post that so you can at least uh, see that if you want to check that out as well. But I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative, not Bitter Talk, not Bitter Talk. I am your host Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So really quickly here, I want to say a few words. Chris Wallace um, of Fox News was actually at – he was at a uh, – what? where is he? Some – he's speaking before a crowd. I'm trying to think of where this uh, – what this actually is. He's at the – at an event in D.C. at the Newseum. And Wallace says – Chris Wallace, again, Fox, right? Fox is supposed to be infatuated with Trump, falling over – uh, you know, falling over themselves trying to defend Trump. Here's Wallace up on stage, and he says, quote, he has done, talking about Trump, he, Trump, has done everything he can to undercut the media to try and delegitimize, uh, delegitimize us. I think his purpose is clear to raise doubts when we report critically about him and his administration that we can be trusted. Back in 2017, he tweeted something that said far more about him than it did about us. And what Trump tweeted was, the fake news media is not my enemy. It is the enemy of the American people. He also called this the most uh, direct, sustained assault on the freedom of press in U.S. history. In U.S. history. A couple of things. I don't have much much time. Number one, number one, Trump doesn't give up his freedom of speech to protect the freedom of press. Now, Trump can't interfere with the freedom of the press. Trump can't tell them what they can and can't say. He can't try to stop them and prevent them from sharing their their opinions. Since when has that been the case, by the way? I mean, the negative opinions of Trump are truly ubiquitous. They are everywhere. You don't even have to look. You can walk down the street and bump into one on the sidewalk, right? This is This is silliness. This is absolute silliness, and I would have to say to Chris Wallace and to the other folks in the media who think this way, put your big boy and big girl pants on, folks, because this comes with the territory. I understand that people, they'd be wrong, by the way, people can criticize this program. I'm not going to go into the mode of, oh, this is the most direct, sustained assault on my freedom of speech that I've ever had. No, you overcome those things with truth and articulating a viewpoint. Now, it's interesting. It's interesting that there's a whole another discussion of uh, this concept of what's actually reporting versus commentary and editorializing. That's what the media has become. But they've got to learn to defend themselves. How about truth? How about reporting? There's a novel idea 
I've got to go. Have a great day. SDG. See you Monday. Take care.